0: Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard.
1: AventCard offers loans from 5000 to €75,000, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you.
2: Find out more at AventCard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson, who is just back from the NFL Combine.
2: Matt, how was it? It was awesome. I had a blast. It was, uh, we drove from Pittsburgh on Tuesday morning, and we did radio shows for three hours a day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Finished up about 1 o'clock on Saturday and drove back to Pittsburgh, so I got home Saturday evening, night. Um, But it was dynamite. You know, we had – I was telling you guys off the air, I got to say, I mean, it's it's very different for me because I felt like I was pure media instead of scout for the first time. I know less about the Combine than I'd have in any of the last 10 years when I wasn't there, and I watched it on everything on NFL.com and analyzed all the numbers. So I still have to do that this week, but it was awesome because – I met Greg Cosell for the first time. You know, I've talked to him 15 times. Uh, John Clayton and I used to work together for 10 years at ESPN, and I've had 50 phone calls with the guy, and I met him for the first time in person, you know, and that was true for many, many people, you know, Fran Duffy and Rob Rang and all these people we had on the show, you know, so that was fantastic. And we had some really good talks on the air, I had a lot of talks in the restaurants and bars and Cecil Lammy and Russ Landy, I had dinner with those guys. I'd never met them before, but I felt like I knew them. So it was a great week.
0: Yeah, no, it, it draws comparisons to, I guess, like baseball's winter meetings because every team is there, large percentage of the NFL media people are there. So just everybody gathered in one spot has to make for a fun weekend.
2: And it's crazy. I mean, even the dude, the guy I was with, this was his second combine. He went last week. You know, he went last year. And he's like, it's unbelievable how much bigger it is this year to last year. I mean, like fans are in there now. There's like a fan experience. They're all cheering for the the dudes doing uh, bench press reps. And even, you know, there was a radio row these last couple of years. Now we have the whole convention center full of radio people. We all had booths set up. It's bonkers. And just to give you some text of it all. I had asked John Clayton, how has this changed in the last couple of years? He's like, Matt, the first time I came to the Combine was when Cortez Kennedy and Junior Seau were coming out. You know, I mean, that was the draft class. And, and he's like, it was me and five other media guys. <laughs> that was it. There was six of us here totally, totally com- you know, covering the Combine. And there had to be 600 this year. I mean, it's crazy. Wow, that's amazing! I know,
0: I know you could probably go all day telling stories from your experience there. Uh, but Matt, we we've got an awesome guest today. Uh, we have Alex Gelhar from NFL.com. Alex, how's it going?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be here with you guys. And I uh, I only went to the combine once, Matt, too. But it is it is pretty fun being there. I think the first year I went, or the one year I went, was the first year they welcomed in fans, so everybody was kind of. Noting the differences, but it is cool being there and, you know, getting to meet a lot of those people in person because it's a little, you know, not inside baseball, but inside football. You'll be at restaurants and coaches and, you know, GMs and stuff will be hanging out and talking and it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool event, but it's definitely different being there as opposed to being at home watching it on NFL Network. That's for sure. No, no question.
0: Well, Alex, you have, uh, you've recently written an article for NFL.com previewing uh, the free agency period, which starts later this week. And so you wrote about the top 30 fantasy football free agents of 2017. And we just want to cover some of those today. Before we talk about specific players, free agency is, is another thing that's changed. Uh, so typically you always had that beginning of the league year. Uh, this year it's on March 9th. I'm not sure if it's that same March 9th every year, but uh, this year it's Thursday, March 9th. And what we would see for years and years is as soon as the clock struck midnight, teams and players were agreeing to these monster contracts. And and it it just became obvious that there had been some, some tampering there, some talks prior to the league year beginning. So I think last year, I believe, was the first year they implemented this legal tampering period. Yep, legal tampering. So bizarre! Such an interesting turn of phrase for the NFL to use. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It really is. So, so this legal tampering period begins Tuesday. So, while we have to wait until Thursday for some trades and free agent signings to become official, it's really Tuesday when we'll start hearing some of these, uh, some of these reports. And we want to go through a lot of the players that that you mentioned in your top thirty article. And our conversation will be the same for all of these guys. Where could they land? Uh, what's the fantasy impact? And in dynasty leagues, do we want to buy or sell these guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of a lot of moves that can happen. With it might not be as loaded as in years past, but there's some big dominoes that'll need to fall that could have uh, a have pretty big impact across a lot of teams in fantasy. So it should be a good conversation here to have.
0: So Alex, I, I know that this rookie class has been talked about a lot in combination with free agency because the running back class, the tight end class is so strong. Maybe that could hurt players like Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, even maybe Martellus Bennett. But your top three free agents on your list are all wide receivers. And, and you know, maybe this rookie wide receiver class outside of a couple is is not as strong as we're used to. So these guys should see a lot of action, I would think. And, and the number one guy on your list is Alshon Jeffrey formerly of the Bears, (laughs) had a rough 2016 season, to say the least. He was struggling, really became the number two wide receiver on that team, and and then he got suspended towards the end of the year. So rough year, maybe a rough final year in Chicago for Alshon Jeffrey. What are your thoughts on him?
1: I mean, I think he's still the crown jewel because everybody knows how good he can be from 2013 to 2014 when he racked up nearly 175 receptions over 2,500 yards and 17 touchdowns, you know, that they know he's he's a number one wide receiver in in kind of the true sense of the word. So he's going to get a lot of attention. And I think there's a couple teams with a glaring need for a wide receiver of Jeffrey's pedigree and caliber and history, you know, even though he's had the injury plagued and, and suspension riddled seasons the last couple of years. But a couple of the big teams that you think he could go to, I know my roommate Matt Harmon and I were talking about this yesterday, would be, Tennessee which is the team I would love him to go to to give Marcus Mariota a true number one or a team like the Eagles whose wide receiver core as I don't think anybody would argue was pretty much a mess last year with Nelson Aguilar and Dorio Greenbeckham struggling on the outside and uh, Jordan Matthews kind of being limited to that slot
0: role. Alex just this weekend we saw reports I'm not sure if you had seen this but there were reports that Jeffrey had met with Chicago it was a deemed a productive meeting and the door was open for him to return. I'm not sure if I buy that. Uh, it seemed like there were some bridges burned uh, between the two sides. Do you think there's much of a chance he's back in Chicago next year?
1: I mean, I would be surprised just kind of, you know, having watched John Fox's history with free agents and, and things like that. And and just as you said, the, the, the bridges that seem to be burned between the sides, and I think Jeffrey might be looking for greener pastures. If I'm not mistaken, too, Then he say he wants to play for a contender this past week as well? And while Chicago has a few pieces in place, I don't think anybody expects them to really make a, a title push this coming year. I, I would call it a long shot for him to stay in Chicago personally.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like both parties have not have been lukewarm on bringing, you know, and making that marriage happen over the last couple of years how about this for a dark horse team and make a, a king size uh, group of receivers like this in Carolina? I think the Bucs could be interested.
1: You know, I would be intrigued with the Bucks too. I feel like uh, the the Jeffrey Evans tandem might give them what they kind of used to have with Vincent Jackson and uh, Evans with the, the twin towers there, and then you've got Cameron Grey yeah. in the middle. But, uh, I mean, we'll get to them in a little bit. I also kind of like the idea of Deshaun Jackson going there and giving them a little bit more speed and, and a different kind of receiver as opposed to having – two of the two of the bigger physical guys in, in Evans and Jeffrey. But I I, I could see – I think Tampa needs to get a wide receiver too, so it wouldn't shock me if Jeffrey went there either.
2: I think they'll be very active this offseason in general too. Absolutely.
0: Regardless of where Jeffrey ends up, he'll certainly be playing with the new quarterback as Chicago is uh, going to be replacing Jay Cutler. Matt, in in Dynasty Leagues, are you buying Jeffrey if he lands with Tennessee, Philadelphia, Tampa, or or even if he – somehow ends up back in Chicago.
2: Well, I'm certainly huge believers in Winston Wentz, Mariota, but Jeffrey to me is expensive for dynasty reasons. He's been injured. He's been suspended. Could, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying by any means that he is lax, but I, I you know, you, you don't hear the words work ethic exactly, you know, thrown around with him. So if he signs a monster deal Might he rest on his laurels a little bit? You know, I mean, that's kind of why he fell in the draft when he came out of South Carolina. He's frightening.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I feel like it's a big risk-reward with Jeffrey because you know kind of what his ceiling is. But as you said, the work ethic and other issues and injury issues, and we've seen it time and time and again with guys signing that huge contract and not, uh, you know, not putting as much effort. But by the same token, you know, we mentioned if he gets paired with one of those young quarterbacks in a a high-powered offense – It's going to be tempting. I I would probably be too uh, risk-averse in Dynasty to make a big move for Jeffrey right now, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys. uh, The interesting thing for me with Jeffrey is despite his his rough past season plus, his Dynasty ADP has basically stayed in the same spot. He's still coming off the board as an early second rounder. Um, I'm sure his trade value in existing Dynasty leagues has dipped a little bit. But there's no way I would spend that early second rounder in a new league on him. Alex, let's move on. Your number two ranked guy is another wide receiver, as I mentioned. It's Terrell Pryor. I was a little surprised the Browns did not give him that franchise tag, so he is now free to sign elsewhere. Uh, again, there was a report yesterday. It's, it's tough to know what to believe, but there was a report that's saying he's likely to sign with another team. Uh, give us your, your thoughts on Pryor.
1: I mean, prior's an interesting one too, because having just converted to playing wide receiver and putting together the season he had last year with over a thousand yards uh, amidst all of the quarterback issues that the Browns had and he's, everybody's, you know, nobody's going to deny it, He's, he's a physical specimen. He's got the size, he's got the speed, and he's quickly picked up this position, which is a transition that normally is not so seamless uh, even among pro players. But I think, uh, uh, things that could be issues for him in Cleveland are he is, he is an older 27. He'll turn 28 before this next year. The position switch took him some time. And, you know, there were frequent rumblings with him, kind of, of like a, a character concern, getting into you know scraps or like fights with people and arguments and things like that. So potentially that's why the team doesn't want to build around. But it was surprising because there was a point last year or two years ago, I think it was last year, where Hugh Jackson said that Terrell Pryor was the one player they would not accept any trade offers for. So it's puzzling if they don't bring him back, but because of his size and his speed and his ability, you know, they, he's certainly an enticing player to uh, to look at in terms of dynasty. And I'm fascinated to see where he goes. I don't have a good
2: beat on this one right now, but if he gets attached to the right offense, it could be a lot of fun. I think it's a mistake just from a football perspective. If you're the Browns with that much cap space, hurting in that many situations, you know, in that many areas to let this kind of talent walk out the door. Uh, That one makes very little sense to me. And even if it meant overspending the, you know, the franchise, I think that was the move. And now I don't think he goes back to Cleveland.
0: Yeah. He's, he's a tough one to value. I I agree, Alex. He, uh, he's still hanging around that top 60 range in ADP. So he's coming off in the top five rounds, but yeah, there, there've just been no rumors regarding where he might land if he does leave Cleveland, of course, he played his college ball in Ohio, so you would think maybe there's a chance he would want to stay uh, close to home. But uh, who knows at this point? Unlike some of these other free agents, almost any team that he lands with would have to be viewed as an upgrade just as far as situation. You know, we still don't know who the quarterback is. You know, despite the age, the position switch that you mentioned, he could, he could see a big jump in, uh, in value and, and maybe even a jump in production with a new
2: team. You know, I could see a dozen teams he could land with. And Ryan has made a great point that all of them would be an upgrade. You know? and, and not only that, wherever he lands, they want him and they're going to give him big money. So they're going to use him. I mean, It's not like he's going to fade away. So sorry to jump in there, but I think you made a great point there, Ryan, that he it, it, it almost has to increase in dynasty value.
1: Yeah, he, he, absolutely. He could be a good buy low. And, I mean, even though he's, he's going to turn 28 this summer, that's not that old for, in terms of wide receivers, we see a lot of guys, you know, play well into their early and mid-30s. And, I get you know, it's not the same as, like, a running back. He doesn't have as much, you know, tread on his on his tires exactly, or it not much wear on his tires, excuse me. So he could be an interesting guy. And if you get him now before he lands with a, a better offense, you know, it could end up being quite a bargain for you if he, if he continues this ascent.
0: Alex, your next player is one we, we mentioned just a moment ago, Deshaun Jackson, uh, almost certainly leaving Washington. They, they're not even going to put up a fight, evidently, to keep him. He kind of played his way out of Philadelphia. He's evidently done the same thing with Washington now. There have been rumors he could end up back in Philly. And then the new one, as you mentioned, was uh, maybe he goes to Tampa Bay. He's that uh, deep threat option for Jameis Winston there playing alongside Mike Evans. So uh, let's take that report as, as gospel, I guess. If he goes to Tampa Bay, uh, how, are we, how are we feeling about Deshaun Jackson? You know, I mean, Deshaun Jackson
1: is a great player, and uh, he's kind of been hard to peg sometimes in fantasy because he's a little bit volatile with his deep threat nature. You know, he's not as consistent. He's more of a, of a ceiling type play. But I think he's, he's kind of maybe been on the, the fringe and bounce back and forth, depending on whom you ask in a given year, between like wide receiver two or wide receiver three value. And I think landing in an offense in Tampa Bay with the already established Winston and Evans and uh, Cameron Great would make me feel a little bit better about him as like a low end number two, who I know has a high ceiling he can access if, if everything falls into place there. Matt,
0: what do you, what do you think about D in Tampa Bay?
2: I like it a lot. I mean, that that is sort of a old-school 80s offense, seven-step drops, play action, force the ball down the field. I think there's that's more likely than Jeffrey landing there. Like I mm-hmm. said, I think they'll be active. You know, Winston is a deep threat, you know, deep-arm guy talent-wise. Um, I like that fit a lot. You, you hear him talking about going back to Philly as well. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use these receivers. I mean, how about – I mean, uh, this is maybe one instance, you know, going back to prior where it wouldn't be an upgrade, but how about the bills? I mean, if the bills use lose woods, they better sign a receiver.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, they need some help over there. I mean, Tyrod was throwing touchdowns to Justin Hunter last year when Sammy Watkins was on the sideline. So they could absolutely use another threat over there as well.
0: Alex, I saw a little bit of a drop from, I guess your third rank guy to, to the next tier. I don't know how you viewed that, but your number four ranked player, was Latavius Murray, of course, uh, Oakland's running back, or, or maybe Oakland's former running back? Uh, again, they don't—they don't seem too interested in signing him. I, I do think, in general, the running back free agency class is going to be hurt by this incoming group of rookies, which is viewed as uh, both top-heavy and and deep at the same time. So, you know, guys like Murray who are kind of average, maybe slightly above average NFL backs. I'm not sure if they're going to easily find a home. What are you, what are your thoughts on Murray?
1: No, I think you, you hit it a 100% on the head there because this is definitely a drop off for the tier in terms of these running backs. Cause you've got a mixed bag of, of average guys. like you said like Murray, older guys that are kind of pigeonholed into the right spurt, specific system, like maybe LeGarrette Blount or Adrian Peterson question marks like Eddie Lacey and Jamal Charles, but as, as for Murray, I mean, I think there's a couple places where he can be successful. He's you know, he's more of a straight-line runner. We know he's got good speed. He's got good power. He's not going to create as much for himself as other guys will. But, I, you know, depending on what Tampa does with Doug Martin, Latavius Murray might be an interesting guy there. I kind of like the idea of him a little bit maybe in Carolina too with J- Jonathan Stewart getting up in age. I, everybody feels Carolina's going to go in the draft. But if they don't and want to sign a a decent free agent on on the cheap, I think Murray could benefit from the extra space created. And some of those read option plays with Cam Newton, even though the team admits they want to run him less, but they'll still have that threat. And that can open up things for a guy like Murray to help, help that team that's been ground and pound traditionally, uh, you know,
2: move the chains there. Are you guys big on him? I, I look at him like, like if I'm the Raiders, he's like my ultimate consolation prize. Like, I'm sitting there going, boy, we've re- rebuilt all the hard pl- hard spots of this roster. I want a stud second-level linebacker, and I want a stud running back. I don't want to settle for Murray. You know, I-, I want Fournette. I want Cook. I want Adrian Peterson. I'd even rather have Lacey. You know, I mean, to me, mm-hmm. uh, Murray is just uh, really a-, a borderline starting guy.
1: No, I agree. I'm not huge on him, I and mean, he, he beat out a couple of those other guys just because of, at least at this point, he's a little bit younger, and he's not carrying any of the injury concerns of some of those other running backs. Right. Like They're all those guys that probably would have been better suited to list him in a tier instead of a peer numbered ranking, but no, I'm with you, I, and that's why he's a tough one to figure, because I don't think he's game-breaking, he's not. he's not really a true featured back, but he can be successful in an area where he's going to get goal-line carries and see some volume, as we saw in Oakland, but... Is anybody going to give that to him with this crop of rushers coming in? That's that's the big question. We'll find out in the opening week or so of free agency.
0: Yeah, it just seems like the Raiders have been trying to replace him uh, almost from the start. You know, two years ago they brought in Roy Helu, and uh, he was he couldn't even get on the field. He was so banged up. Uh, so Murray became the workhorse for that offense, and and put up some decent numbers. But then you know this past year. It, Pretty much became a committee, uh, committee attack with two. I don't want to say no name rookies, but I mean DeAndre Washington is is decent. Jalen Richard was an undrafted guy, and they took carries and touches away from Murray. So uh, I would say sell in dynasty, but I think it's probably too late for that. If you can get a late second, that's probably your best case. Otherwise, just wait and hope he he lands with Tampa Bay or one of these teams like Alex, like you said.
2: To me, there's maybe a handful of teams out there right now that would like to add a back and a bigger back, you know, like new England's a perfect example where they have, you know, they always have the Vereen, Falk, white, Lewis type, and then they have the bigger back. I'm not sure that he's a fit in new England, but you know, the giants could use a guy like Murray to complement Perkins, mm-hmm. assuming they move on from Ryan Matthews, maybe Philly, uh, the lions as a bigger guy to replace an upgrade over Zenner. Um Minnesota is going to lose Adrian Peterson a very high percentage of time. Tampa's in the market probably too. So I think he'll he'll find a decent home, but I, I wouldn't do cartwheels no matter what.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We bash you know, we bash these these running backs in general, but one of those guys, Murray or or Blunt or Lacey, one of those guys is going to end up in, in New England and then we're all going to be <laughs> yeah, chasing right. them. No, Adrian no, Peterson no. ending up
2: in New England. I think it's going to be Peterson.
0: I, I thought you said he was going to Dallas.
2: No, I would. No? I said that a year ago, maybe. Before uh, okay, Zeke. okay. Peterson's not going there now, not with Zeke. Right.
1: I hope Peterson goes to Oakland personally. I think he fits what they would want. He's he's a talent. He's still I, got some talent. They got, got the they got Washington and Rashard to spell him on third downs. Both of those guys operate better in space. And I think if you put Adrian Peterson behind that big mauling offensive line they assembled there, with a you know dynamic passing game too. That's the best set for him on a pure football sense and a fantasy sense
2: too. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. And you know, that, that would be an upgrade for them. That would make sense. You know, they have uh, two of the the receiving types. They wouldn't have to ask him to do that. Yeah. I like that fit too.
0: Alex talking about Peterson. We skipped over your number five ranked free agent for fantasy football, which is probably deservedly so and appropriate. It's LeGarrette (laughs) Blunt. I think he has value in New England. I, I don't think he has value anywhere else. You know, it, it's crazy to think that a guy who scored, uh, what, 18 touchdowns could be a waiver wire guy in free agency, but that's uh, – in, in dynasty leagues, but that's what, uh, what may end up happening depending on where he lands. Let's move on to some bigger names. Your, your seventh-ranked player is Jamal Charles. Of course, we all know the story with him, the injuries. He was recently let go by Kansas City. Where do you think Charles ends up?
1: Man, Charles is a, is a really interesting player, too, because I think people need to to check out his medicals and stuff before he lands anywhere, but he's a he's still a great player. He's he's the kind of guy who, I'm sure at this point, wants to go to contender. I wouldn't mind seeing him. I mean, I'm also slightly biased because I'm a Packer fan, landing in a team like Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers in his time there has never had a, a, you know, a complete back in the sense of Jamal Charles, but... I think wherever he goes, he's probably going to be more of a rotational player, but could still be effective in that role. I mean, we saw earlier in his career that he only averaged, I think around 15 touches a game in a couple of his seasons when he was still a top 10 overall back.
2: He's a guy that I'm having a lot harder time finding a fit for. It seems like Mm -hmm. more teams are more in the market for the bigger, every down type guy. Um, I wonder if he's going to loom out there for a while, or how about the Steelers behind Le'Veon Bell, or – you know, Philly with uh, his former coach, you know, running the show. But they need a big guy. I I don't know. I mean, maybe the Patriots take a shot on him. Who knows? Yeah, Charles – well, both Charles and Peterson
0: are tough to value in Dynasty because they do still have that name value. A lot of of owners, especially if you already have them on your roster, you're not ready to bump them down in value. So I don't think those are guys you're going to get – you're going to see traded a lot – but their value has clearly uh, fallen far from where it was a couple years ago. Alex, you mentioned you're a Packers fan. Your number eight ranked player is recently a Green Bay Packer, Jared Cook. You know, a lot is made about his career. And of course he, he had the measurables. If you look at some of these combine numbers, he's near the top of, of every historical list uh, when it comes to the tight end spot. And Uh, Finally played with a good quarterback this year with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure the Packers won him back, but I'm not sure if the Packers are going to spend to get him back. What what do you think?
1: I mean, personally, I hope they do, and I think they should, because we've kind of seen it now with Cook. It it brought back into focus just how good um, a seam-stretching tight end can be in Mike McCarthy's offense, because when this Packers offense first hit, it's kind of high-octane stride back in the early years of Aaron Rodgers taking over. They had Jermichael Finley. Who was also a guy that kind of kind of blew up the combine his year in terms of you know size, speed, and things like that. And then I, I included that tweet from our uh, our good NFL research team about the difference with Aaron Rodgers and Jared Cook, including the playoffs. Uh, Rodgers had 34 touchdowns and three interceptions, and without Cook in the lineup, fell to 15 and six. Cook was almost that missing piece, being able to threaten the middle of the field and helping open things up in the the shorter area for a guy like Randall Cobb or even in deep spaces for Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson. So given how tight end, I mean, we've got a good class coming in, but even this year, you know, tight end was was largely a mess. I mean, Martellus Bennett was the seven-ranked tight end, and he scored most of his points in just a handful of games, and Cameron Brait was up there and stuff like that. Getting a guy like Jared Cook to stay with Aaron Rodgers, I think, would be a dream scenario because Cook, while well, he'll still have those boneheaded plays that make everybody, you know, remember all the times they've been burned by Jared Cook, we also saw some in, you know, incredible plays while he was paired up with Rodgers. So, I hope as a fan and
2: a fantasy player
1: that, that Cook stays in Green Bay for another couple of years.
2: Alex, I worry about the Packers roster, and I think this is a, a tough offseason for them. I think the roster overall is in worse shape than most people realize. I, mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, their edge rushing and cornerback situation is scary. Their inside linebacker position is not great. Um, I mean, I don't love their receivers. They could use a running back. But I also think that Cook is probably worth more to them than he is anywhere else. You know, you mentioned okay. it. They need they need the Finley. You know, they need the, the, all those three-by-one sets with the tight end, you know, detached uh, on one side of the field by himself. And the other thought was, you know, Ben McAdoo was in Green Bay, and they certainly could use a tight end in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be a good fit, too. A a couple people have pegged the Martellus-Bennett reunion to New York, where I think
1: he said he's open to going as well. But getting more consistency at tight end in New York would be great, whether it's Jared Cook, Martellus-Bennett, or maybe a a youngster coming in through the draft, especially them losing Victor Cruz. It would behoove them, I think, to get a good, uh, consistent uh, receiving threat at the tight end position while they, they break in another receiver, whether it's somebody like Roger Lewis or another draft pick or whomever.
0: The ones that I, I loved from your the section on Cook is Green Bay's record with and without him. So there they were ten and three with yeah. him this past year, two and four without him. That's that's pretty telling. And I guess the good news for Cook and Bennett is there are so many teams that need tight end help across the league. and, and unlike the running back position where teams might be willing to say, I'll just draft somebody in the third or fourth round we all know it, you can't count on that immediate tight end production from a rookie. Uh, even though we see it every once in a while, as we did last, last year with Hunter Henry, uh, you can't just say, I'm going to draft a tight end in the, you know, the, even the first or second round and expect <laughs> them to start. Uh, so that may, that may actually help cook and Bennett in comparison to this rookie class.
2: No doubt.
0: Uh, let's go back to the Packers. Your 10th ranked player was Eddie Lacey. Uh, yeah, he's he's another one that's tough to figure. Uh, I'll I'll just let you ramble on his time with the Packers and what you expect from him going forward.
1: I mean, as I as I put in the blurb, it's been a wild ride in his first four years. Uh, his first year as a rookie, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. It was when Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, and then in that year and the following year, Lacy, you know, proved he could be a, a. three-down featured back. He scored double-digit touchdowns, racked up yards, improved as a receiver, and then in 2015, the weight issues and injury issues kind of went hand-in-hand, hand, and those have plagued him the last two years. There was the, uh, the Thursday night game, I forget which year it was, where he broke curfew, and so there were other issues. So we got on the one side a guy who, even when he came into the league, man, you'll probably remember this too, people questioned whether or not he loved football, and right. I thought he kind of put that to bed those first two years, but then that issue kind of reared its ugly head. So we've got a guy who we know when he's healthy and in a good offense is easily a top 10 fantasy back. And, you know, you can make the case for him to be just maybe a top 10 back overall, depending on whom you talk to, but we haven't seen that guy in three years. So, and he's still dealing with the ankle injury right now. He's been posting rehab videos and such. So, I mean, there's that, there's that great. If, if Eddie Lacey is healthy and in shape and in an offense, you know, you're ready and locked and loaded in fantasy, but, man, that's a big if. And there are a lot of warning
2: signs tipping the scale on the other way as well. Yeah, he's really frightening. And you mentioned when he came in the league, you know, he had a foot toe issue that I know some teams said, this guy's going to have a short career. You know I mean? I know that for a fact that some teams mm-hmm. viewed him that way. And now he's fighting an ankle. You know, we always talk about the weight. He has been inconsistent. All that being said, I bet you could get him at a pretty good price for Dynasty right now. And I might be a buyer. I'd kick the tires because, you know, considering the Belichick Sabin relationship, he could be the new Nick Laguerre Blunt. What if mm-hmm. he goes to Oakland? You know, I mean Peterson can only go one spot. You know, what if he goes to Oakland or the Giants or Philly or Tampa is there every down guy or Carolina? I think he could land in a pre- he could land on a sunny spot, you know? Yeah.
1: And, and two, he's if he can keep his health up, like even if he has a shorter career, he'll only be 27 at the open of this season. You figured you might be able to if you buy him super cheap in Dynasty right now, maybe if he gets to a good offense, get him for another three more years or so or you know at least two, hopefully. So I, I, I could see by that theres there's a lot of risk, but uh, given given that he's been such a consistent quote unquote bust the last two years, I think a lot of people have really soured on him. And if you can there's get him a, on that, that reclamation project, I think you could,
2: could be a huge win. There's a lot of landing spots where I could see him scoring a lot of touchdowns. I mean, sort mm-hmm. of in the Laguerre Blunt mode. And, and Ryan, do you know what's a touchdown for our listeners? It's our friends at Loot Crate. Primal theme is the message up until March 19th. If you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, or collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items, For less than 20 bucks a month, and you save even more when you use our Dynasty Blueprint password, which we'll tell you more about here in a moment. But whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or if you are, in fact, that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise you know is coming every month. Every month, there's a different theme and new exclusive items you can only get at Loot Crate to treat yourself every month and give the gift of geeking out to a friend or loved one. That roar in the distance is a call. Will you answer it? This month we're only going. We're going primal and unleashing the beasts of some of pulp culture's most ferocious franchises. The savagely sweet collection has items from Overwatch, Wolverine, Jurassic World, and Predator, and as always includes the monthly T-shirt and pin. You have until the nineteenth at nine PM Pacific to subscribe to re- to receive this month's crate, and after that cutoff happens, it's over. So make sure you head to www.lucrate.com. Slash Dynasty Blueprint. Enter the code Dynasty Blueprint, and you're going to save a couple bucks every month off an already cheap subscription. So check that out.
0: Matt, back on Lacey for just a second. You mentioned you might like to buy him cheap in Dynasty. I think his cost is What's probably going, going great. Yeah, I think probably a mid second might
2: buy him. I would say two five. I think I'm buying.
0: Okay, all right. I think you can probably do that. You might you might try that in some of your leagues. I think. Uh, I think that would buy him in a lot of places, Alex. When I think of Lacey regarding the Packers, I guess I kind of think of that as in a similar fashion to the the Bears and Jeffrey. I just think you know there's bridges burned there and and almost no chance he's back. Is is that your feeling as as a Packer fan? I mean, they've been doing a lot of
1: uh, of coach and GM speak this this past couple of weeks about wanting to, to keep their guy. And we know Ted Thompson has a long history of re-signing his guys. Maybe not always the best move, but he loves to build through the draft. And I think they they know how good they've been with Lacey. And if they do keep him and he stays healthy, I'm sure they kind of envision a little bit of a thunder and lightning matchup there with him and Ty Montgomery, who's making the full conversion to running back. But I wouldn't say it's, it's out of the question, but I also feel like they'd like to upgrade that position, whether it's through the draft or landing one of these other free agents.
0: Alex, your next player uh, on your, on your list is Kenny Britt. Uh, Of course played with the Rams last year, really kind of under the radar, but maybe because he, he played not only on the West Coast out there where you are, but also with, with the Rams who were just just tough to watch last year and, and the past few years. But this was Britt's best season of his career, his, his first thousand yard season of his career, as you note in the article. And, you know, I, th- I think Britt is an easy guy to buy right now in Dynasty. Seems like, the Rams are not really going to pursue re-signing him. They're going to let him walk, according to most reports. What are your feelings on Britt?
1: I mean, I kind of love Britt this year, and I'm fascinated to see where he lands because he's a guy that has had one of these careers where everything was seeming to set to break out for him, and he had that year in Tennessee. I forget what his injury was. I think it was a torn ACL where he had three touchdowns in the first like two or three games, a couple hundred yards, then off the field issues, and the other injuries kind of derailed his career, but... We've seen that you know put a thousand yards together on 111 targets with Jared Goff as his QB for most of the year is is pretty darn impressive, and I think a lot of teams could look to Britt as a as a more affordable good addition to their wide receiving core. I mean, he's still six three; he can still fly. We saw him get down the field a, a number of times this past year, and I would love to see him go to a team. Maybe you know Baltimore kind of has a surprising need at wide receiver right now. And and Britt could fill a nice role for them as a the bigger, you know, maybe more possession guy who can still stretch the field. But uh, he's a, he's a guy I might be interested in buying because I don't think people are too are too hip to him yet. After quietly putting together that thousand yard season, I don't know what you guys think, uh, Matt, How do you feel about Britt this year?
2: One note about him too is he came out of college at an extremely young age too. He's one of those <laughs> guys. It's kind of like a you look at it and say I can't believe he's this age for as long as he's been around and I've been talking about the Ravens a lot in a lot of different spots that I think their passing game is at its best with a true home run threat, you know, a Wallace, maybe it's a Perryman. um, Absolutely. Torrey Smith has been that guy, but Joe has always had what I always call his whoopee. He's always had this move the chains guy, you know, from Mr. Mom, you know, he's always had Derek Mason or Bolden or, you know, Steve Smith was that guy to some degree. And I think he really needs that. I'm, you know, the guy that's next on your list might be, even fit that mold a little bit better, Pierre that's Garçon. True. Yeah, and I, I think Baltimore needs to do that. They need to add a reliable veteran move the chains guy.
1: I agree 100%. I, I could see either guy going there, Britt or Garçon, and, and thriving in that role because they still have the field stretchers and Wallace, and, and they're hoping Perriman is that. We saw some flashes, but he just needs to to stay on the field and put it all together.
2: Yeah. I worry that a guy like Britto could end up in with the Jets. You know, like the Jets would be like the worst landing spot for anyone. Oh man, don't don't put that evil into the world. Or even San Francisco, or you know, the Jets should not even
0: participate in free agency. Really, I, mean, <laughs> I hope they know, don't. but They will. They're they're clearly rebuilding. They're cutting everybody left and right, giving big money to to some of these free agents would we'll just, we'll
1: just be to give all their big money to Mike Glennon and then we can know to stay away from that offense in fantasy
0: next year. <laughs> that's a good point.
2: Hey, speaking uh, of the Jets, just now that we're talking receivers and move the chains guys, what do you think what do you guys both think about Brandon Marshall And now that he's on the open market?
1: That's true. I mean, uh you know that's a that's a big question for Brandon Marshall because there's the it's the strange trend uh, if you want to call it that of him and his honeymoon period with teams always putting up good good seasons. I think he's going to be very landing spot dependent. Um, but if he goes to the right offense, I I'd be interested in him not suit not a ton in dynasty because he's getting up there and and who knows how many year years left he's got with he's been pursuing all these other interests with his foundation and uh, the the show he's been doing as well, but. He'll be a name I'll I'll certainly keep an eye on in free agency, but I'm not, you know, jumping for joy uh, with him being on the market or signing anywhere for that matter.
2: Two names I've heard that don't quote me that they're 100% interested, but uh, reasonable sources have told me they're at least entertaining the idea are contenders Oakland and Pittsburgh.
1: I mean, I think, I think Pittsburgh would make sense. They really they uh, keep referring to Martavis Bryant in, like, the past tense, and they're, they're not sure if they're going to have him or even that they're that committed to him. And they desperately need another wide receiver opposite uh, Antonio Brown. and Brandon Marshall in that kind of high-powered offense playing the, a, safe, a safe role. I mean, he doesn't give them the same vertical, you know, crazy game-breaking threat that Martavis did at his peak, but he could be a nice fit
2: there. Yeah, he grew up here in Pittsburgh. That's one of the, the, the connections. Ah, that makes sense.
0: What about a guy that's a little bit uh, further down your list, Alex? What about Kenny Stills in a, in a place like uh, Pittsburgh? I would be open to Kenny Stills in
1: Pittsburgh. Stills is really interesting because he's um, he's been bounced around the last couple of years. He was starting to put it together in New Orleans, but then he got traded to Miami. And then Adam Gase this past offseason like really committed to him when he got there. He was talking about wanting to get Stills more involved, and he actually moved him all over the field this past year, where Stills had kind of traditionally been the outside wide receiver and deep threat. And Stills, it's crazy, too. He's got, you know, he's wrapping up his rookie contract, but he's only 24 right now. So he's a guy that, especially if you, you know, maybe worth putting out some feelers in Dynasty, because if he lands in the right offense where he can thrive as a, as a number two, I mean, he's, he's still he's still growing into the position. He's only 24. I kind of like his upside, even if he's in, uh, in Pittsburgh or maybe a place like Cincinnati opposite AJ green. Cause he would offer them a little bit of both what they
2: lost with Sanu
1: and Marvin Jones this past year too.
2: I feel like he's going to get overpaid and I like him. I think he's best as a deep threat, but he's coming off a good year. Um, maybe he'd be a consolation prize for Tampa. If they don't get mm-hmm. a, you know, a better dude, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree. The, the, the market is kind of dictating his pay as well. He's, he's a young guy coming off a career year with the cap increasing. I've seen, he's probably going to get 12 million or 11 or 12 million on the market which seems absurd like it's it's going to it's going to be more than what his production will probably justify but I still think in the in the right offense you know throw his contract out of it he could put up some solid fantasy numbers
0: what do you guys think about San Francisco as a as a wide receiver landing spot in general and and this could be for free agents I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head what their cap situations like uh, so it could be for free agents or rookies do you view that with
2: Shanahan there now as a good landing spot for a, a wideout. Well, their cap situation is bonkers. They have as much to spend as they absolutely want. Right, they have a ton of cap space.
1: Yeah. I uh, I think their wide receivers landing there for me is going to depend on what they do at quarterback. If if they do re-sign Kaepernick, I know that has kind of been out there a little bit. That that's why he did like voided his contract to maybe get a new deal. I'd be a little more interested in somebody, but. But, man, if they're breaking in a rookie or maybe, I mean, if the Kirk Cousins deal happens, it doesn't sound likely. But I'm not going to be jumping for joy at any wide receiver just yet in Shanahan's first year there re- rebuilding the entire offense. That, honestly, aside from Carlos Hyde, is kind of kind of lacking any uh, true dynamic talents there from a fantasy standpoint.
2: They did re-sign what's-his-face yesterday. Not that it matters, Curly. But, mm-hmm. I mean, their, their receiver position is the worst in the league.
0: Yeah, by far. Alex, there's just a, a couple more guys I want to go over here with you from your list, uh, and one of them is Colin Kaepernick, who you just mentioned. I, I had not heard that uh, that rumor that he could potentially stay in San Francisco, but in general, what are your thoughts on him, and how do you view him from a fantasy perspective?
1: I mean, so much was said about Colin Kaepernick last year with the, the kneeling and whatnot, but honestly, we're talking about fantasy here, so we can throw all that that garbage out, because when it comes down to fantasy, over 10 weeks, he put up six top 10 performances and had only one outside the top 20 last year in San Francisco, and that was that snow-covered disaster of a game in Chicago where he threw five passes. So he, you know, he, let's not forget, he took a team to the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to sit here and tell you he's, you know, an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady level passer, but he's capable. He's still got a big arm, and as far as fantasy goes, it's, it's his legs that really matter. It's the Konami code, so... If he if he can go to a good offense that's going to help set him up and put him in good positions, I I kind of like him as a you know in redraft leagues as a late option or you know if you're in a position like I actually I am in one of my dynasty leagues where I'm going to need to start looking for a new quarterback because Philip Rivers is aging and and you know falling apart down the stretch. Colin Kaepernick could maybe be a buy low situation.
2: Do you guys see any fit that makes sense for him? Because I'm really struggling to say. Boy, this team would love him. You know, like if it was the old regime in in Buffalo, I would think there. You know, to replace Colin Cat Ka- or Ty- Tyrod Taylor, maybe. But no matter what, I don't think anyone can say we landed Kaepernick. Our quarterback situation is cool. We don't have to worry anymore.
1: No, and that's why I honestly neglected to even throw out a name as I was going through it because I don't I don't have a perfect yeah. fit in mind. It might even be a case where he gets in and has to compete with a rookie or something like that with one of these QB needy teams or hell. I mean, I think I saw a rumor that he might, you know, people were thinking he could be a, ba- a good backup somewhere and maybe like Seattle or something, but he's, he's a tough one to tough one to put uh, into an offense right now. Cause I don't think any teams would, like you said, see him as the answer, but we'll just have to wait sure. and see with his, wait and see with his situation and uh, evaluate him accordingly.
0: Alex, you mentioned that, that Chicago game sure. last year, and we, we all remember how bad that was, you know, he went from, basically being viewed as a fantasy quarterback one over that previous month to being benched and 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 dropped in some fantasy leagues. So if you think about the teams that have openings right now or, or potential openings at the quarterback spot, Chicago, Buffalo, the Jets, the Browns, you know, all those are at least for much of the football season, cold weather towns. Does something like that game come into play when those teams are considering Kaepernick?
1: I mean, maybe, but he also has played well in the cold before. He went into Lambeau Field in 2013, I think, and you know got a victory in one of the colder games to ever be played in that in that stadium. And uh, I think he's played he's played well in cold weather in the past, if I'm not mistaken. So, plus, I mean, that game too. He only threw five passes. It was like they totally took the air out of the offense in before benching him. So I don't I don't think, I don't imagine that would weigh too heavily in in their minds that, that one game. If it does, I mean, we've seen the NFL do stuff like that before, oh well, but <laughs> I would I would, hope that, I would hope that doesn't skew it too much.
2: But I bet all of us could envision a series of events where by week 6 everyone in fantasy starting Colin Kaepernick.
0: Oh, 100%. And and he's dirt cheap in dynasty still. Oh, yeah. I, like third round, third round rookie pick. All right, Alex, the last two guys, we'll kind of group these together. I think there may be similar players in some different situations. Your 14th and 15th ranked player, Rex Burkhead, uh, recently of the Bengals, Danny Woodhead of the Chargers. Of course, Woodhead missed basically the entire year with a torn ACL. Burkhead uh, didn't really get much of an opportunity until the end of the season when uh, the guys in front of him were hurt, but he, he looked good. What do you think about those two? How much are you investing in those two as fantasy options? I mean, fantasy-wise, it's going to
1: be a lot of landing spot contingent. And Woodhead, we're going to need to see his health. I mean, 2015, he was coming off that fractured ankle, and he finished as the, the RB11 in standard scoring. The ACL's a little different. I would kind of hope he lands back with the Chargers, Los Angeles now, of course, because uh, Melvin Gordon was, played well and was great in fantasy down the stretch, but he was getting, you know, an obscene amount of carries and touches in that offense. And I think it would behoove them to have uh, a complimentary back like Woodhead there. Burkhead is a really interesting one to me because I think he showed he's got complete back skills. And there was that playoff game a couple years ago where the Bengals played the Colts and Rex Burkhead was like extremely dynamic for them in the first half. And they kind of got away from him. I would love to see a team give him more of a chance to put him in a prominent role in a committee because he was, he was more effective frankly, than uh, Gio Bernard or Jeremy Hill in Cincinnati last year. I, I don't know that he'll get that opportunity, but uh, I'd be very interested in, in Burkhead if, he, if he's given a chance.
2: I like Burkhead a lot as a player. I, I'm sorry it- to interrupt him right oh. now. Yeah, I mean, and I've been doing so much Steelers radio, I keep bringing them up, I apologize. But <laughs> his name's been brought up to me many times in the last couple of days of, how about him as a Le'Veon Bell backup? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think he's the type of guy, whoever your favorite team is, you want him to sign with.
1: No, I could totally see that. And, and like, the, he'd be a great fit behind Le'Veon Ballon if he got injured, you know, he could carry the load for a while, but I, I would love to see him in a place where they're actually going to give him, you know, 10 to 15 touches a game and, and see what yeah. he can do there. I don't know that it'll happen, but I'd be excited.
0: Yeah, I know Burkhead is well thought of um, in a lot of circles. I I noticed uh, just a couple weeks ago, our buddy Evan Silva tweeted out that he views Burkhead as the top free agent back in this group. So um, wow. He he values him, I guess, ahead of Lacey, uh and, and Blunt and some of these other guys we've talked about. And, and then the other thing on Woodhead is he's he's practically free, or, or maybe um maybe he is free in some dynasty leagues. I actually just added him off the waiver wire in one of my leagues, and as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna go check all of my might, other leagues. I'm gonna <laughs> do a quick search too after this, actually. Yeah. And he's, he's exactly the type of guy who you should be adding at this time before free agency starts because, you know, there's, there's a good chance he ends up with very little or or maybe no fantasy value until an injury happens. But if he lands in that right spot and you just added him off the waiver wire, you you know, you've, you've won the the lottery. Maybe, maybe scratch off, but you've won the lottery.
2: Ryan, you need to wait like an hour to publish this before we're finished so we can all yes. double check on Woodhead until it <laughs> becomes everyone hitting the waiver wire looking for him.
0: Yes, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> well, Alex, thanks a lot for joining us today. And before we wrap it up, just tell our listeners where they can find your work.
1: Uh, well, you can find all my work at uh, nfl.com slash fantasy. My uh, writer page is nfl.com slash That's probably 90% fantasy, and every once in a while I do another feature or something else uh, around the website there. I'm on Twitter at Alex That's G-E-L-H-A-R. And then uh, on Facebook as well, where the company's pushing us into that space, uh, facebook.com slash Alex NFL. So you can find me all over the place. It's been a blast talking with you guys. Uh, it's fun. We're in the Vecca like, Dynasty season here.
0: Yeah, exactly. We, we love it. It's our time of year for sure. Thanks again to Alex, and we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.